It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is an official download from TheCustardTV.com. This is the Custard TV podcast. We're recording on a Sunday, and I've got that lazy Sunday afternoon feel about me now, where I just this was a good right. idea when I suggested it. Yeah. Isn't that a song? It is. Well done for singing it slowly in the background. Who's who, who's that by? That is by the Small Faces. I thought it was a sixties band. It is. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. the Kinks. I would have been wrong. No, you would have been wrong. <laughs> they did Sunny Afternoon. But, ah. Um, yeah. There we go. So, yeah. All right then. That'll have to be the start. I can't think of anything else to start with. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This week on the pod, two from ITV, uh, the return of Liar. I don't think I was... I was basically a baby in arms when Series 1 was on, and it's back for Series 2. Then Dawn French is fronting a brand-new comedy drama called The Trouble with Maggie Cole. Then we've got Netflix teen drama, I'm Not Okay With This. The Rewind is back as we look at more episodes from 1999's Freaks and Geeks. And inside um, number nine... We've never done this before, but I want to talk about a show that we were going to review that we decided not to review. Oh, look at this! Look at me spinning the format. Oh, is that? Do you know what that the sound of is, ladies and gentlemen? That is the fourth wall being broken. I know, because <laughs> uh, we did talk about it briefly. This is a new two-part uh, drama on ITV called McDonald and Dodds, which stars Jason Watkins as a hapless police detective in Bath. These are two hours long, and uh, that was the first thing that put me off of it. And the second yeah. thing that put me off of it was just the tweeness of it. I mean, this this is on Sunday nights, and it screams Sunday nights before we have a bath, sort of that sort of drama. Um, a lot of and Luke's have... baths take about two hours. I know. Well, I have to get in. That's the hard bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the getting in and out that takes time. Have you not time. got one of those like walking baths like they used to those... advertise on a weekday afternoon? No, you um, have to be sixty-five to have to have Dickinson's that. real deals. Yeah, you have to be a certain <laughs> age group to get those. I completely lost my train of thought. I was thinking about them baths then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of it? Of the tiny bit that you saw? Because the, basically, the... I sent Matt a message saying I cannot in all good graces, review this because I'll just rip it to bits and that's not the point of the podcast. But that intrigued you enough to try various segments of it. Um, what what were your thoughts? Well, I, I was just having a look here at the, uh, the old uh, press pack for the series. Writer Robert Murphy said it was a um, nostalgic for his youth growing up in the 70s and 80s, watching shows like Columbo and Jonathan Creek, which didn't start in the 1990s. I know, there's a <laughs> problem already there that irritates We me. liked puzzles and locker room mysteries in the Agatha Christie style, and we were drawn to characters who could generate likability and bring a smile to your face. Didn't do that for me. <laughs> so it began with Dodds, the engaging invisible underdog who gets drawn into a cat and mouse game with a powerful, charismatic prime suspect. See, I like prime suspect. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch the, that over this. So it's, it's a sort of chalk and cheese thing, isn't it? McDonald is the brash London detective on the rise who 
comes for a promotion in Bath and is paired with Jason Watkins's Dodds, who is the um, bumbling lifetime desk job guy. Inspect- Chief Inspector wants him to go into early retirement, so he's decided to put him back in the field. I think for me, because I watched the trailers for this, um, and I felt it was sort of Watkins was playing sort of like the local veteran who was going to be the one saying, be wary of the locals, we're not all sort of country bumpkins and stuff like that. But instead he plays this absolute idiot who, you know, arrives at the crime scene, people are asking him questions and he doesn't know the answers to. There's not sort of strong characterizations in the two no. leads. I think it's fairly base and, and mm-hmm. the sort of supporting characters in this sort of case of the week you had Robert Lindsay playing... He was meant to be Dyson, basically. He'd made all these sort of food mixes and things like that that had sort of revolutionised things and was a sort of upstanding pillar of the community. And I, I can see what they were going for, but I think it sort of was sort of lowest common denominator stuff. Yeah. And I think when we're used to stuff like Endeavour, which does this a lot better, Jonathan Creek went off the boil towards the end, didn't it? And I know you were a massive fan of that. And you're, yeah. you're sort of a big fan of these sort of dramas, really, aren't you? I think you, you more so than me, are a big fan of these crime dramas when they're done right. And I when think I, done right. I've got a sort of nostalgia for these sort of Sunday afternoon shows. You know, I do reference them from time to time when it was sort of stuff like Monica the Glen and Bally Kiss Angel and things <laughs> like that in the, in the sort of 8pm slot on uh, on Sundays. And um, I think the ITV one I remember most is sort of Kingdom, the Stephen yeah. Fry, Doc Martin in a way, even though that wasn't Sunday nights, had that same sort of feel to it, that sort of cosy British feel. But this, I don't know, it's got a cynicism to it yeah. almost. Yeah. Like it was trying. It's almost to like echo. they're winking at you yeah, the whole time. Yeah. E- echo those, almost sort of spoofing those shows. It was almost like a spiritual sequel to a touch of cloth, where you're not sure the tone is so twee and We've so said sort that of bumbling. A few dramas recently, though, haven't? Yeah. I know it's. He's. He says there. It's a love letter to the genre, but it's almost too in your face. And it's not its own thing enough. And I just, I couldn't sit through two hours of it. Just, I couldn't bear it. And normally, Jason Watkins, he's such a diverse actor. He can do serious roles. He can do comedy and you don't question it. But here, he just felt completely out of place. And I think we've done really well uh, to review something that we didn't uh, watch all the way through, which is perhaps wrong. But I just couldn't connect with it at all. And it's interesting that ITV have commissioned two which seems weird. They're two separate stories. Why not three? Why two? You know, it's just a weird I thing suppose to done. sort of lay, get a lay of the land, really. And People we've had on the show before, Paul Kirkley, I saw, replied to you on Twitter and said mm. he quite liked it. I know uh, Lorna Cooper as well, um, sort of friend of the show, she was quite praising of it as well. And it does have that sort of nostalgia element to it as you say we didn't watch it all the way through so i don't think we can have sort of a full opinion on it let us just end with this again from the writer so with mcdonald and dodds we have two britons who given their gender agent background would never in normal circumstances have any contact with one another it seemed to me this could give us an entertaining double act as they negotiate the pitfalls anxieties and quirks of modern britain while solving puzzling crimes and drawing a few laughs along the way let us know if you watch it. I'd love to know what you think. Maybe we're being too harsh. It's quite possible I am. Custard TV reviews at gmail.com if you want to email us on the subject. Or just the Custard TV podcast Twitter feed, which you can find at Custard TV Pod. And McDonald and Dodds uh, started Sunday with another episode on at 8 next Sunday. As you brought up Doc Martin and British location and a comedic name at the helm i think it's best that we link these two and move on to dawn french in the trouble with maggie cole what's interesting (laughs) what's interesting about what itv are doing now they're so middle of the road at the moment they're so they're so aware of what their demographic is and they they are doing their job in as much as they are giving dramas that people of that age group will 
want to watch, but I just had my sister and brother-in-law over, and I don't think they ever watch ITV, and if mm. they carry on like this, they never will. You say drama. This was commissioned by the comedy department at ITV. I didn't know that. Yeah, it is a comedy drama, but was commissioned primarily by the comedy department and does have quite, you know, it's, it's led by Dawn French, but you've got Carrie Howard in there and... Um, a massive cast. Mark I mean, Heap. Yeah. The credits are huge, really. I mean, they, they went on... I think the credits was longer than the opening... You know, the open, there's a tiny opening scene and then the credits run. And the credits look like a Thomas Cook advert. Mm. You could easily mix them up. So this has got, as you said, Dawn French, Kerry Howard, Mark Heap, Julie Hesmental, Vicky Pepperdine, loads of familiar faces that have mm-hmm. been great in other things. And the premise is that... Dawn French is a local historian. She's asked to go on the radio. This is like her moment in the spotlight. She gets drunk during the interview and spills the beans on all the village secrets because it's quite a tight-knit place where everybody knows everybody's business. And she has everybody around for a sunny barbecue at her house to listen to the interview as it goes out live. And the journalist kind of stitches her up and instead of... Uh, using the bits that he asked her about her work and life. Uh, he uses all the bits where she's sort of bad-mouthing local residents and spilling all their their dirty laundry out. I'm often saying, you know, these are three-parters, these are four-parters. How on earth this story can stretch over six episodes is completely bewildering. I don't understand where it can go from here, really. I suppose because... you've got a lot of characters, haven't you? You have, That's yeah. why the credits were so big, because we can play off all these little sort of subset storylines that, she, you know, she's launched this sort of rocket and everything. all the secrets have come out now. According to, as I say, Saskia Schuster is a drama, even though it's commissioned by the comedy controller, in the vein of The Darling Buds of May and Doc Martin, as you mentioned before. And and it's it's a small coastal town. Um, she mm. works in like a local gift shop, doesn't she? She's married to uh, Mark Heap's character, who's mm. the headmaster of the primary school. Her best friend is the Julie Hesmanhold character, who is um, another teacher there. Because we watch these in a prism... Normal people will be switching the telly on, and, and this this yes. goes for the next drama we're talking about as well. You know, after yeah. a day at work, nine o'clock comes around, you want something you can just sort of, you know, in terms of this, definitely switch your brain off to and watch. I like some of the performances. Let me be positive for a minute. I like Mark Heap and I like Julie Hesman Hall. I thought their characters were the most believable in the piece. I know we didn't get to meet quite a lot of the other characters. There's a lot of stuff that can be elaborated on. There's too many people in this. And and I don't think Maggie Cole is a particularly likeable character. I think no. it's hard for most people to switch off their brains to a character played by Dawn French. I was thinking exactly that. You can't separate Dawn French, who I've never really liked particularly as an actor. I think whenever I see her in interviews uh, and stuff, I think she's, she'd I was be a lovely Oh, but yeah, but I was never a big Dibley fan. Okay. But I think her performance in Dibley is really good and is, and is quite layered. Certainly in recent years, Dawn French has become more of a personality than an actress. Yeah. And I think it's the same with sort of like a Jennifer Saunders as well. If she, I mean, we saw her recently in The Stranger with those dogs running that cafe. I think it's hard with some Just to be of clear, the, the dogs weren't running the cafe. She yeah, was running no, the We cafe. only watched the first episode. True. That, that, I would watch it if the dogs started running the cafe. You know, I think some people will gravitate towards this in the way that yeah. they did not mark. And I think I appreciate that it's, it's something different. Like, McDonald's and Dodds, they were trying to do something different. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The thing that separates this from Doc Martin and Last Tango in Halifax Mm. is I don't think this had the charm that both those shows do. It, 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 It had all the ingredients. It looks nice. It's quintessentially British. These are British people in a British setting. 
and it's all lovely and nice. It had all those bits that you need for a Last Tango and a Doc Martin, but it lacked the charm that will keep me coming back for any more than this first episode. I, and the people didn't feel authentic to me. At I all. mean, this is the guy who wrote uh, Mount Pleasant, I think, is his main. Ah. I, it's not a horrible thing. No. I wouldn't say it's awful. It's just mediocre. The trouble with Maggie Cole, the trouble with yeah. the trouble with Maggie Cole, is that you've got a protagonist who isn't particularly likable, has said all these things about her, even before she sort of got drunk and said all these things. You know, she was quite blunt towards other people. You know, she there wasn't a lot to like about her, and I think it's the, the other characters around her that we could latch on to, like mm-hmm. Mark Heap and Julie Hesmanhol. But, you know, this is a Dawn French show starring Dawn French, so it's going to yeah. be mainly about her, and I just feel it's hard to separate Dawn French from the character and I think that is the stumbling block that I couldn't really get over. Have that. Oh, I agree completely. <laughs> Wednesday nights is where you'll find the trouble with Maggie Cole. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com Continuing our ITV triple bill Liar is back. I think I was about three and a half years old when the first series... You said that out. already. I know, but I thought I'd get more steam in that gag. It was only two years ago. No, it was... Three three years. Three years ago. Two and a half. The first series uh, was definitely written by uh, the Williams brothers. Memorably, the time when they had two shows on at the same time, if you remember. On the Relic. same night. Relic was on the same time. This was definitely the one that sort of generated more buzz. People were talking about it. It was more of a sort of a whodunit. It starred uh, Joanne Froggart um, as Laura Nielsen, a secondary school teacher who goes on a date with Andrew Earlham, who was a um, charismatic surgeon. His son was in her class. Did her sister work with him as well? Do I remember that correctly? Yes, she was a nurse or an anaesthetist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She was. She worked with him, so they had sort of these connections. They go on a date together, and then the the morning after, she accuses him of raping her, and it's sort of a bit of a he said, she said for a couple of episodes, and then it turned into a he definitely did it. Luke didn't like when it started to turn. He when then it, goes, re- it went bonkers, didn't it? He then, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It went more and more bonkers. They tried to sort of do a sting operation, didn't they, with Laura Aikman? Yeah, I forgot all about that. <laughs> so it ended with the police finally discovering that he taped all these rapes and all the tapes in a shed in his mum's back garden. And the final shot was of him dead in the water. I was going to say his neck slashed. Does that sound right? Not really. Is it? <laughs> you failed police school. I forgot you'd go. Throat slashed. And we learn in this second series that that happened three weeks after his arrest not to break the fourth wall again but was all that from your memory yes that's quite incredible that they do a a recap at the very start of this first episode of series two and i think your summary there is better than the recap i i really had no memory of this really i thought like you say those first three where it was is this woman making this up is you know, is she going to take this man down? Is he really a villain? I thought all that was so interesting, and then it went bonkers. Yeah. And from then on, I had no real memory. And I have to say, um, Series 2, Episode 1, um, I really struggled to follow it. I found oh, okay. it really complicated. Well, the, the second series was actually announced at the, the end night of, of the yeah. night of. So, and it's sort of, this is what it's going to be about. Who killed Andrew Earlham? Basically, everyone wanted to kill him. And and this is basically the present day with the investigation. They bring in straight-talking D.I. Karen Renton. Oh, my God. Played by uh, Luke's favourite, Catherine Kelly. I think she's horrific. And I don't know if if you get what I'm going to say here, but feels like she's doing a bit of a Saran Jones impression. I don't know. I know what you mean. Yeah, Yeah, she's playing this like, oh, I'm a bit comedy. I've got nicotine. I'm chewing nicotine gum. I'm offering it to everyone. Slap my thigh. You know, come on, um, Danny Webb, who's playing the the DS. I I do like Danny Webb. 
It reminds me a bit of Saran when she was in uh, Scott and Bagley, that sort of character. Yeah, but that again had charm. She doesn't mm. have charm. No. She's just smart. And it's like, I know you, you know, um, Rory, the the Danny Webb character, say, oh, I, I've heard about you. I know, you know, what they say is true about you. And, you know, she's got a bit of a reputation, but she's one of the country's most reliable homicide detectives. I have got mm. the uh, the bios up at the moment from the Okay, press. I was going, this is your memory again. I'm <laughs> yeah, really no. impressed. Uh, You're mastermind. It's two different timelines, really, as I said. So they've got the investigation. Catherine Kelly comes in. They're sort of pointing their fingers purely at, Laura in this first episode because I think one of the questions we had going into the second series is how are they going to fit uh, Ewan Grifford into it uh, because obviously his character's dead so mm. half of it is flashbacks to three weeks ago the aftermath of um, him being charged the police coming to his house with his son being there I found it really convoluted and confusing mm. and obviously I knew that the Ian Grifford stuff was in the past because I knew he was dead but there's a, there's a plot line with a guy that she also went out with that I had no memory of. There's a guy and his girlfriend that's feel, that feels like they're in a different show. Is that a new character? The um, She was in Amy something. Amy Nuttall yeah. is the nurse. I couldn't tell whether it's new or whether I was, it was somebody I've forgotten. I he's got something to do with him rather than her i don't think he's got anything to do he okay she is another victim of andrew erland's right that's her connection to the i thought she was linked to um laura as well because she was a nurse and things like that but i i think as it went on it was i'm also linked to andrew erland in some way this is a new wrinkle to the story that we didn't have yeah. in series one and that was the confusing thing that they didn't really sort of play into that you struggled did you i did struggle and i was surprised how much i struggled i mean the bigger issue here is this series didn't need to happen we have to put that to one side yeah, I could have finished. again put that try one... and be that person who's finished okay. work at, uh, and, yeah. and comes home and wants to watch the second series of a thing but, okay. they quite but, enjoyed the first time but, round. but my issue is yeah does anyone really care who killed the rapist no, no, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? I... But do you know what I mean? It's really yeah, hard no, I get to... It. It's not a, a sort of a sympathetic character, but at the same time, people do like a whodunit and sort of a guessing, and, and it, 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 it sort of propels all the sort of publications to put these Who Killed Andrew Ullum articles together. I mean, I, I know what you mean. Does, any, does anybody care? And I think... I mean, I was quite... Ta- I was quite entranced by it. If I'm, not entranced, but... I knew where I was at all times. I didn't struggle with it. It kept my attention, you know, and I thought it went at quite a pace that it didn't drag at any point. Maggie Cole for me dragged, whereas this yeah. didn't. You know, I think the Williams brothers are good at sort of keeping up a pace, not letting that pace drag. And, you know, I, I agree with you about some of the characters. You know, Catherine Kelly was a bit out. Oh, bit much. she's ridiculous i i don't think you needed maybe a new character i think if danny webb had taken the investigation on you know on his own i i think that may have worked better i don't think it needed that but generally i, I you know joan frogger is great at playing these sort of you know harassed female characters and i think that works i think having her being the main suspect early on allows them to sort of plow through that and then get to other bits because the trailer again had her going, I didn't kill Andrew Earlham and Catherine Kelly mm. saying, well, let's find out who did then. But yeah. I, I get I get your point in that, do we care? But I think everyone likes a good sort of mystery. You know, I think this I will be one... that was that... It was that yeah, interesting no, I get, yeah. of a mystery, I get, yeah. really. I get, yeah. Because there's not that many suspects. Really, is that? I won't be watching to see who killed Andrew Earlham. I'll probably... If the, if the Radio Andre. Times reveals who it is, you know, Andre. I might have a look. I don't know. I think maybe the, the, the time it's taken to get to screen hasn't yeah. helped it. Yeah, no, I get that. The fact that we're supposed to be plunged back into this world, I just, I struggled to get there because I, I felt so disconnected from series one. It felt so long ago in my life. I was like three houses ago. Um, <laughs> but that's just the way I move around quite a lot. Then I, I just was so bored by it. And um, I agree they are good, the Williams brothers, at these dramas, but they ultimately feel quite hollow 
Are you going to continue? It's going to it's going to be added to my list of things to watch. At we're going to need to talk about what what's yeah. on this list at some point. Yeah. I can't believe I, we've we got rid of the one. I've been, that never wa- I've been watching anything. mainly films, but the TV show list is is going to be you, you know I I do have times where I'll do a bit of a binge, but okay. Well, but, Liar is on Mondays at nine p.m. on ITV. It's again six parts, so. That's six weeks of me not watching ITV on a Monday and Wednesday. And on a th- Thursday, actually, because they've got crappy documentaries with John Lumley in them. So I'm not going to be watching them either. I just think that channel needs help. And I'd love to be the one to help it. It's interesting that the the drama commissioner, Polly... Polly Hill. Polly Hill. She previously commissioned drama for BBC, and she wasn't there very long. But it just shows you that ITV have got a real remit of the kind of... They seem to be going more cosy, don't they? That seems to be but their... You see, the thing is, when you when you meet these commissioners at, at Edinburgh, Ben Frow at Channel 5 is very upfront about we have got this specific audience. Yeah. You know, they're, they're sort of working class, sort of northern demographic, and that's why we put on all these, these sort of documentaries and things like that, and we have got a very limited budget. Whereas ITV will go... Yeah, we're doing really well in all demographics. You know, we've got Love Island and things like that. The soaps do really well. But I don't think they try, other than sort of the ITV2 stuff, you know, they they are all pitched at a certain age, aren't they? You know, all of the main channels have got a sort of average age of around sort of 50 to 60. And I don't, I think at least the BBC do try to put some varied dramas on, but certainly mm-hmm. ITV at the moment it is all much of a muchness. Liar on ITV Monday nights uh, from nine o'clock. You're listening to the Custard TV podcast. The official podcast of the custardtv.com. Next up then is a new teen comedy drama with a bit of supernatural thrown in for good measure this is i'm not okay with this uh from the producers of stranger things and the director of a show matt and i love to its core the end of the effing world uh this dropped uh, on wednesday that makes a lot of sense oh you didn't know that no i thought i no i did not know i didn't know anything about this when you okay. told me to watch it Matt, so Jonathan, Jonathan Entwistle. He had a lot in common with the end of the yes, world. Definitely. The aesthetics, the episode lengths, a lovely 20 minutes. Sometimes. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Times less. I wish TV would do that more. A really interesting central performance from uh, Sophia Lillis, who we last saw as the young Amy Adams in... Uh, Sharp objects. Well, she was a I young thought... Amy, Amy. Young Amy Adams is sharp objects, and a young Jessica Chastain. It. So she's played yeah. young versions of two famous. Interesting. Uh, I thought they sort of made her up to look like a young Amy, Amy Adams, but no, she looks like mm. a young Amy Adams. That's yeah. why they cast her. Mm. So she plays the central character here. She's struggling in a suburban town. She's a teenager. Doesn't really get on with her mum. Her dad hung us hung himself in the basement and she's struggling to come to terms with that. It's sort of a taboo subject within the family. She's having issues with anger. Her only and best friend has moved on with a boyfriend. Dina. And she she comes to realise that whenever she gets a little angry, things either break, fall down or explode around her and she can give people the occasional nosebleed. Uh, There are um, eight of these, I believe. Seven. How many... Well, I, I believed eight, but yeah, seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how I've, did you, how... I've watched two so far because I was struggling to actually get the second episode to load. So, okay, uh, first I've, world I've, problem. I plan to I plan to watch more. I've seen six, so I've got one more left. <laughs> so, oh, you could have snuck that seventh in there, really. Seven's an odd. An odd amount. It is really. odd. And <laughs> uh, it's also odd, I know it's weird to mention, but Netflix always drop their new big and exciting things on a Friday so that people have got, you know, the weekend to binge them. And, 
And this on a Wednesday, whenever they've done that before, you sort of think, do they want it to fly under the radar? Are they not that impressed with it? And they seem to be doing different discussion but... about it. I think I'd heard about this, but I didn't know when you'd said the name, what it was, yeah. if that makes sense. It's also based off a uh, graphic novel. It is a graphic uh, from, novel, is it? From yeah. Charles S. Foreman. And it's, it stays very loyal to the original source material from what I've read. Um, I watched this and then read a lot of the reviews and a lot of the American reviewers were very sort of... They weren't okay with it. If oh, anything, okay. they, they were lukewarm on it. They said it was more style over substance, which I don't huh? agree with. I thought it felt like its own yeah. thing. Yes, it's got DNA of the end of the effing world, yeah. and that's not a bad thing because that is a brilliant show. And, and what I remember about it is the characterization and the look and feel and the aesthetic and... The fact they'd brought this over, I think she was a really, really interesting central character, cared about her from the first moment. I found elements of the first episode, and again, I think this is to do with the length. It was a lot to take in in 20 minutes. Yes. You know, they had to introduce the world, first-person narration from yeah. from the point of view of Sydney. She had to introduce, you know, this school life where she's the outsider, befriended this character Dina who was also from out of town but who had now blossomed and was dating the lead quarter this is probably what you were getting confused with yes this was the football player Brad Lewis the very American name um you know she's lost her virginity to him she's wearing his jacket now and and this friendship is sort of breaking down so Sydney befriends um sort of a local outcast very he's sort like of an, end, he's a end, neighbor of, as well, end of the effing world-esque relationship with this character uh stanley who works at a bowling alley he's um a very minor sort of drug dealer his dad's out of the house a lot of the time and and that sort of her sort of gradually coming round to his sort of quirks and things like that and as you say there is a sort of supernatural element to this but not in a sort of overt way you know these almost like panic attacks resulting the first time we see it is when she gives brad a nosebleed and then she um puts sort of dents in the wall at home she's out shopping and doesn't have enough money for the shopping and suddenly destroys like most of the the shopping mall and um we don't ever find out who cleans up the grocery store, do we? That might be the bit in episode seven where I haven't gone to yet, where it starts but from that, the point of view of the person that got a toilet. I, I think you do get, in the first two episodes, certainly the Sydney character, this is a girl who has struggled to find a place, both in a, in a sort of backward one-horse town and in a new family dynamic in that they're not talking about her dad um, committing mm. suicide. And I think in the second episode, you get a lot more about the Stanley character as well, and I think that helped me. As well as, obviously, the, the sort of the things with the end of the effing world. It, it the did have The look of it. It did also remind me a bit of Russian Doll as well. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't I know if you get that. that. I sort of, that. This sort of mundane world and then this sudden sort of ability... Uh, and sort of the sardonic nature of, of yeah. Sydney's character as well put me in mind of uh, the Natasha Leone character in, in, in that series. It begins with her running covered in blood and we don't know quite what and is that... the reason for that. My favourite thing about Netflix as a, I think we can call him a broadcaster or a streaming giant or whatever, is these th- these things that come out of the blue. They're not well publicised, they're not built up. And they just shock you and take yeah. you by surprise. I think you mentioned Russian Doll. I had the mm, same yeah. reaction to it. I really, really. This might be my first favorite, mm. fav, first favorite new show of the year. Actually, I thought it was really good. I think the term is content provider. Oh, that makes me feel. <laughs> I just got a little bit sick in my mouth. Then. I think that's what sick. we're meant to call them now. Oh, I was a tiny bit sick in my mouth. <laughs> Don't like that. Uh, we no, won't be no, using I mean that, that phrase. No, I'm more happy for other people to use it, but I, I was, I didn't want to, you know, I had a roast dinner earlier and I was just a little bit sick in my mouth when you said that. Yeah, I thought this was good. I hope you find the time to watch the rest. Yeah, no, I will do, and it's 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 pleasing that. And I think last, I was I was in the mood for it last night, but. I, it wasn't it wasn't loading for me, so I decided to watch Gone Girl instead. Don't Makes question my choices. Sense. <laughs> right. 
Uh, I'm not okay with this is better than okay. It is all on Netflix now. Please binge it because... Yeah, and I am really interested in those reviews, actually, that that solicited this because I think, you know, they they play with those sort of teen... Like we've been talking about Freaks and Geeks for weeks, those sort of teen archetypes. You know, that's what we liked about End of the Effing World. That's what we liked about Euphoria. Yeah. Um, I don't know and, what it says about us in our yeah. sort of late thirties that we're still drawn to these high school, the high school world. I don't yeah. quite know what it says about us, but it reminded when I was watching it, I was thinking, I'm so pleased I like this because we had the discussion last week of you talking about if everything was like last time going Halifax, yeah. wouldn't you be bored? Yeah. And it just shows me in my ways that I have about TV that if you've got a, an interesting or empathetic lead character. I will go on the journey regardless. I mean, I'm not a big sci-fi fan. No. I'm not that invested this, in in this, telekinesis. This, but what? Yeah, this wasn't that. This was pri- this was a sort of high school drama first and a sci-fi yeah. fantasy show second, wasn't it? I, and I also like the relationship between Sydney and George because again, they reminded me a lot of Alyssa and and um, Stanley. Stanley, sorry, <laughs> Alyssa and. It's gone. James, James. James. Because they're, they're not necessarily... Uh, I was still attra- trying to work out how George was. Yeah, but I can understand why you'd struggle with that. Um, I, I think it's because they're not necessarily attracted to one another, but they just, you can tell by her voiceover... Similar, they're, they're, similarities. They're yeah, they're, they're, just, they? com- they're just comfortable in each other's company, and that character isn't comfortable in her own skin a lot of the time. And, and I like the, the tiny sequences that we see her with her younger brother. They have, yeah. a nice, they have a nice genuine connection. Lovely show. Please watch the rest of it. There are only seven, and I think the longest episode is a whole 22 minutes long. Loved it. I'm not okay with this. It's very much okay, if not better. It's on Netflix now. Um, let's do Rewind. <laughs> Let me play this backwards. This is our look back at um, the Paul Feig and Judd Apatow series, which I forgot to mention last week. If you did want to be uh, somebody who watches along, you've got a couple of choices. At the moment, it's all there on all four, and it's also there on Amazon Prime Video, if you're a member of that. Uh, to watch at your leisure and at the moment we're up to episode 11 and 12 i hope we're not because i didn't watch 11 and 12 i watched 9 and 10 10. okay at the moment (laughs) 9 and 10 i might have watched 11 and 12 uh no 9 and 10 this was um we've got spirit yes good the diary (laughs) the diary Uh, (laughs) i love that little gag we've got spirit it's another high school trope episode mm. with with Lindsay trying to break up with Nick. We spoke last week about does she really love him and Matt said she doesn't really know how she feels and by episode 8 we have um, we have reached the point where she's like he's not really for me. He's stoned a lot of the time and uh, I, I just think we'd be better off as friends. We've not got a lot in common and the, the, the um, geek storyline is that Sam, in an effort to get closer to Cindy Sanders, wants to take over and be the mascot of the football team. After, after the after, mascot sort of breaks his ankle or something. A very young Shia LaBeouf. Tiny Shia LaBeouf. Tiny Shia <laughs> He Pocket... doesn't look like he should have been in high school, bless him. Pocket Shia LaBeouf is what we'll call him. He would have, he would have been 13. Looks very young, doesn't yeah. he, in this? Before he went nuts. Sweet. <laughs> Um, <laughs> whilst Nick and Lindsay are going through their sort of agonising breakup, um, you've also got the other geeks um, f- not showing much interest in the school rivalry that surrounds the, fr- the football freaks, game. Sorry, freaks. Uh, so. Yeah, freaks. Until uh, they they get the car vandalised. Ken, Ken, Daniel, and Kim. Yeah, they get the car vandalised by the opposing school. And then they sort of become unwittingly sucked into the school it's, rivalry. It's Lincoln, isn't it? Because it's assassinate Lincoln. What's the name of the mascot? It's sort of the the Norseman. The Norseman. That's it. Yeah. Because yeah. the 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 story is as well that Neil desperately wants to be 
the Norsemen, um, but allows Sam to sign up to be near to Cindy. And they're practicing together, but she's sort of more and more sort of trying to... It basically ends up at the end going out with Todd. I have to be honest, this was the one that I struggled to get through. This is the first snap. episode that I found to be a little bit of a slog. Snap, snap, snap. I agree, because usually if one... There's, there's two halves of each episode... And usually if one half doesn't engage me, then the other half will. And in this case, I wasn't... I didn't think the the breaking up with Nick was that interesting. And I didn't feel like the mascot stuff was that interesting. And I I couldn't get out of my head while I was watching it something you said last week about how poorly drawn either the actress playing Cindy is Mm. or the characterisation. And she's front and centre here a lot and has more lines than Hi Sam and I found her quite irritating and yeah I would agree it was the and, first and I think I was the, like... char- the character of Nick as well changed here because the, the story was that when um, Lindsay was down in the basement she saw like this picture of Nick with his ex-girlfriend and, the, and the, her face had been removed from the photo the, the other freaks were saying about how it ended quite harshly, and this girl, is it Heidi, yeah. was in, she had a, a chat with the, her briefly, and, and and it's just sort of, from being this almost like, you know, lovable loser, sort of dropout drummer, he's gone from the really sort of intense character now, and it's mm. sort of changed the character a little bit, and that sort of bled into the next episode as well. I think the parents saved the episode a little bit. I know, yeah, again, they are brilliantly drawn, and they feel... <laughs> so authentic and I, I love them and I want yeah. a spin-off of just them. And I, I did like the stuff with Neil as well. I thought the stuff with Neil worked, you know, the... But I tell know, you what... He, go on. No, I tell you what didn't work for me was the stuff when they were in the helmet and in the North yeah. costume and they had to sort of do clunky dubbed voiceover mm-hmm. of them inside the helmet. It felt really odd. It felt really... It's supposed to be funny, but it, I felt really made me feel quite peculiar. It just didn't connect to yeah. all any of that. It was, I, as you say, it was sort of the the tropes, but they didn't do enough, you know, go away from those tropes, I don't think. You know, they almost conform to them in a way. And the stuff with the, with the freaks as well, sort of almost getting that school spirit for the first time was very sort of weakly drawn and sort of tacked on in a way. The next episode is The Diary. I'll just basically sum up. So... The freak storyline, the Lindsay storyline, is has completely gone out of my head. She is hitchhiking with right. um, Kim Kelly at the beginning, That's and right. the person who picks them up is a uh, regular at um, Lindsay's dad's store. Lindsay says it's something that Kim does all the time, and and the parents then say, "Can we have Kim's mum uh, and Dowd reprising that role?" I cannot get over dinner. that being Dowd. Um, I don't know, is she in costume? Is that what she looked like in that era? I think it's probably just what she looked like in that era. Wow. Um, so she comes round, says, you know, Kim does drugs, is promiscuous. She reads her diary. As a result of that, they say, you can't hang around with Kim anymore. Lindsay tells Kim this. Kim becomes very dismissive towards her. So she's sort of got the cold shoulder from half of that gang. The parents then read the diary find out that, you know, she hasn't got any sort of secrets, but finds their world very sort of ordinary, which Banal leads the mum... And, and predictable. Yeah, which leads the mum to try and cook all these different meals at, at dinner time. Whereas this story is quite strong and had several sort of spin-offs to it, the Geek storyline was quite weak. It was around Bill wanting to be picked first for for Jim, always being picked last for the teams, various prank phone calls to the coach. So again, I, I'm really enjoying that character. The I coach can't remember Prince. him being in it as frequently as no. he was, but he's great. Yeah. Again, it's sort of a relatable story, this sort of being picked last for Jim Clark. And, it's, and I think it's nice having, you know, Sam wasn't front and centre of this story. It was primarily Bill's story. This was a better episode. I liked how much it had the parents in it. And again, you know, Busy Phillips as Kim, I think, is a really sort of complex character. Her relationship with Daniel, like Daniel just got sort of bored of her sort of going on all the time. And it's like, you know, you you should have stuck up for her a little bit more. And there's that great bit in the English class. I really like that scene about 
on when the they're road. reading the book. Yeah, yeah, really well done. I think this was a sort of a return to form. I think maybe the geeks should have had a little bit more, but I, I liked all the stuff with Kim and Lindsay and the parents and yeah, that all and worked. It, that me. that uh, love scene that I mentioned last week is that was actually in the yeah, final the moments parents. of of this. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, Lindsay, your parents are swingers. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, I just thought it was brilliant. And the other thing that occurred to me while I was watching it is, because of the weird decisions NBC made, this would have been the first time people would have seen Kim's mum. Yes. And they wouldn't have known what kind of person she was and whether she was telling them the truth or they didn't have any background with that character because they didn't see... Kim mm. Kelly is my best friend. So which which know. actually had quite a lot of um, impetus for the rest of the series, really, didn't it? So it weird. completely changed the, mm. the course of that, you know, that character. The Kim so Kelly over and Lindsay's status in the group because she, you know, Kim was very much a gatekeeper in those first couple of episodes, not letting her be part of the group. And after that, episode they become more friendly and she feels more comfortable in that group i tell you what they do well as well is that coach Fred Fredrickson is on one hand he's very you know man's man and he'll he'll like like at the top of the episode he'll let every, the popular kids pick the teams he'll let them be captain and obviously the geeks are chosen last but then he always has like a redemption story where you sort of feel for him, and he sort of, you feel like he understands the geeks. Like earlier on in the series, where he had that sex chat yeah. with Sam. Again, here he seemed to revel in the fact that Neil and Bill and Sam were enjoying their newfound status within the group, and I thought that was really well. Yeah, done. I like the stuff where they were celebrating, and where and you know I don't understand baseball, no, um, but they were celebrating a really sort of innocuous thing that had happened, yeah. and it's just like you know you've only you. That was your first one, and you've got another yeah. four to go, and that yeah. was always. always and I, I like there's little bits of comedy. They're like Neil when the coach is trying to find out who was the prank caller. He's putting in like Monty Python quotes and things like yeah. that. And I think I, you know, I think Neil, I think Sam Levine is really good in this. These two episodes, I think, showed sort of his power as almost. I think like it's the... coming up where he he's the central uh, mm. story soon, and I I remember that episode quite vividly, and I'm looking forward to. Revisiting that, but yeah, it's weird that we both had that reaction to We've Got Spirit. I was interested to know what you'd have thought mm. about it. It was the first one when I was like, mm, I don't know, I don't really have a lot of positive things to say. And I've always championed the show, not only doing the rewind, but before that. And this was the one where I was like, Yeah, they, they normally do the tropes, but they normally put their own spin on it, and they didn't yeah. hear it. And it's interesting because that was in a, a Mike White episode, and you would think, because Mike White is quite out there, isn't he? You would think he would put in a bit more transgressive material, really. And this this other one was Judd Apatow co wrote the story um, with uh, Rebecca Kirshner, who I think is a sort of regular TV writer. I think she wrote for the Gilmore Girls quite a lot as well. So this is more of a Judd Apatow story, and the next the next one we're getting is a is another Paul Feig one. So so as I say, Feigs and Gigs, we're going to continue. Um, so if you want to hop on the bandwagon, all four has it, and so does Amazon Prime Video. That has been the rewind. Finally, then inside number nine. Unbelievably, we're now at episode four with only two left because there are six in total. And I did quick maths Maths. to save you having to do it. Because it's an anthology and because the tone and the the genre, you can never pigeonhole it. And there are no bad episodes of Inside Number Nine. This latest episode, episode four that aired, might be one of my least favourites. I thought you'd say that and I wasn't quite sure why. You didn't like the first episode either, did you? I didn't, although I found it an easier watch than you said this. That, you said that was also one of your least favourites. Yeah, I found that an easier watch than okay. this, if I'm honest. Yeah. And I could be nothing else than So than this was I... called Misdirection. The number nine was a, a storehouse of um, magician played by uh, Rhys Shearsmith, uh, who in the first... Um, part of the episode is visited by a sort of journeyman cruise ship magician played by Sue Pemberton who um, has this chair raising 
experience trick. Chia Smith's character can't work out how he's done it. He won't sell the trick. He wants to use it himself, even though he's quite a sort of low level. He's happy with his lot in life. Chia Smith's character then kills him. Nine years later... Inside oh, I see what they did there. He has become a very sort of big deal. He's now married to uh, Jill Halfpenny and is sort of now a sort of known magician. You know, he does TV shows and things like that. I think he's he's got a book out. He yeah. is visited by a, a young aspiring magician who is a um, student, I think, writing for his local student paper. Uh, or should, should we leave it there? Is well, that... I think so. Yeah. But I, I think one of the issues was that I immediately guessed who the character was. Mm. And the other issue is that I think, like a lot but... of Inside of Nights, it's just two characters in, in a static room. I didn't like Shearsmith's performance that much. Uh. I always struggle with that actor. Feel my head from Probably uh, Dunkirk. Bandersnatch. I mean, I just—I was yeah. hoping I could change the narrative mm. of this at some point and pick what happened. That, but and have was, have Steve Pemberton back. Maybe that was well, it. That Steve Pemberton wasn't in enough of it. He was only in the very start of it. I was watching it and I was no—I was never really that engaged with it. No, I, I get that. Probably, I would agree. I mean, this—the two and three were so good. Mm-hmm. That um, the, this one had a lot to live. This one reminded me a lot of Riddle of the Sphinx in that yeah. it was that yeah. sort of one-upsmanship in terms of, you know, this was based around a very sort of niche world. In That was the crossword in this was the, um, the magic world. I don't think it was meant to be a secret, the connection between the Fionn Whitehead no. character and Pemberton's character. It was mainly the third act reveal and what he had been doing in in actuality rather than trying to get the secret from him about revealing one thing it was actually another thing that had happened that sort of misdirection i i I think they they didn't nail the landing for me I, i i still liked it i still found it clever but i get you know that was a long sequence of just uh, Shear Smith and and, and yeah. Theon I had talking in a room, and I don't think it had the same effect because in Riddle of the Sphinx you had, you know, Shear Smith and Alexander Roach, and then Pe- that, no Pemberton and Alexander Roach, and then yeah. Shear Smith coming in in the last bit to change the dynamic. I don't feel like this had it as much, and I think after the last two episodes, Death Be Not Proud and Love's Great Adventure, this yeah. did fall a little bit flat for me. But I'm hoping. Uh, have you seen the next one, Thinking Out Loud? I haven't. I, I know the premise of it. Oh, it's, I don't uh, know. I know it's got Maxine Peake and Phil Davis. You don't want me to tell you what the no. premise is. I no. won't tell you then. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you in off air. No. <laughs> don't. Yeah, you can't control what I'll say when we I stop can. recording. I can. I can uh, hang up on you, my friend. Inside number nine on Monday nights at 10 on uh, BBC Two. That is it for the podcast this week. Um, you can get us through all the normal podcast apps. Send us an email to that email address that I uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, the Twitter f- feed for the podcast is Custard TV Pod. I'm on Twitter as well at Luke Custard TV. Matt's there at Matt's TV Bites. And the site, of course, that all the podcasts and stuff can be found on is the TV.com. Any anecdotes to finish? No. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> No, I've enjoyed this. It was. It started raining when we started the podcast. It's now sunny. Well, it's now Monday as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Have we got no, all night time, time for McDonald's and Dodds. Yeah, okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. 